Welcome to the Dover Download Podcast, your weekly look at what's going on in Dover, what's going in in Dover, and all things Dover-related. My name is Chris Parker, and I'm the Deputy City Manager here in Dover, and I'm going to walk you through all of that, plus more. You might have heard that this is Dover's 400th year of settlement uh, by Europeans. With that in mind, we want to highlight some historical elements here in the community. And what better way to do that than with chatting with Jonathan Nichols from the Woodman Museum here in Dover. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Having you back. This is a second time, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Excited to be back. There are very few people on the two-timer list. We're going to... Parody the old Saturday Night Live and get coats for when you get to five. Oh, <laughs> finally. I'm going to have like a green jacket or something. I don't know. Steve Martin will <laughs> definitely not come out there. <laughs> we'll have to figure out who our Steve Martin is or our Alec Baldwin when you hit 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm honored. Either way, welcome. <laughs> so this is Dover's 400th year, 400th celebration year, and I'm sure that you're involved with the 400th committee. And, and uh, I know recently you had a 400th day kickoff with the Dover, I don't want to say free day, but how do you, how do you characterize the day that was in April? Yeah. Um, so uh, April 22nd, we uh, just did our Dover 400 day at the Woodman. We're working with the Dover 400 closely this year to uh, kind of co-brand some events that uh, we annually put on and uh, kind of gear them more towards the celebration this year. And so traditionally, we've always done a Dover day shortly after opening in April. Um, that's just a free day for Dover residents. Uh, it's an open house of the campus, but we wanted to do something different, wanted to make it grander, and uh, hope that this is actually an event that will carry over for years to come, where it's uh, still the open house of the museum, and uh, then it's a big community-focused mm-hmm. event on the grounds. And so we uh, had, like, Red's Good Vibe Food Truck, which is a free uh, charity food truck. Um, UNH came with their community garden program. It's uh, the uh, plant a row program. Oh, okay. Uh, Haven was there. Um, Dover Fire was there. So, you know, it's a lot of community focused organizations. So, Dover families can meet who kind of su- helps them out and supports them. Uh, that sounds like a great event. And it is uh, one of those events that I think makes the Woodman stand out in the sense that you really focus on family, not that the Children's Museum doesn't and that other groups don't. But I think when people think of museum, they tend to think, either culture or they think a very specific niche area. And I think one of the things that makes the Woodman stand out is that you you have a wide variety and you're really looking at all ages and to bring people together in a collective mode. Yeah, we, uh, we've we been making great strides, I think, the past you know several years to really be more family-focused. Uh, and just the past year alone, we've been coming up with new programs for the museum that are uh, more kid-friendly more family uh, geared. So we just unveiled our new Woodman Museum mascot. That's Woody the Woodman Polar Bear. Um, So he'll be at different events to interact with uh, families. We're also going to be having Woody as a cartoon character throughout the museum. And so the larger paragraphs on some of the displays that might be a little harder to digest for some younger uh, visitors, Woody will be there with a kid-friendly signage that's a little bit easier to digest a little more thought-provoking questions for the kids. And so uh, look for that coming up hopefully uh, this summer here is when we'll have that. That's a really cool evolution of, uh, of it really making it more engaging for the age you're trying to attract. Yeah. I've personally seen, having done 
tours of the museum for several years now, starting out as a tour guide that, you know, kids are all in for it when it's uh, the uh, self-guided portion of the, the museum. But then once we start getting into uh, the guided tours, which are amazing, don't get me wrong, uh, I have seen some kids, at least on my tours, I don't know, maybe I'm dry. They're just looking at their parents, you know, two hours in, like, can we please go to Licky's and Chewy's now? Can we please go to La Festa's? And so I want to try to have something that's a little more engaging for kids. <laughs> some sugar. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that you and I recently worked on, and I use that term almost loosely, is moving the the baggage cart that had been at the transportation center mm -hmm. uh, and getting it, it donated to the Woodman Museum. What's your plan for that, and what what are we talking about? Yeah, so uh, it's an early 1900s uh, baggage cart from the train station. So its cart is an interesting way to s yeah. describe it because when I hear cart, I think of, you know, like one of the little trolleys or something you get at Home Depot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like it's like a wagon almost. Yeah. It's huge, and so we are making a whole uh, transportation display under the garrison canopy. Um, so it's going to be to the right of the uh, the garrison itself, so that it's protected from the elements, but it's still outside, still has its own exhibit, and that has the baggage cart there. That's going to have these two 1800s horse posts on either side of that. The old Boston Main train bridge. There's a metal sign that has been there for. A while now with a display, and we're going to kind of make that more of a focal point than on that kind of on a uh, wood block to the, <laughs> to the side. So it'll be a whole Dover or New Hampshire transportation area. And I know a few years ago we chatted, it might have been your predecessor, about when the General Sullivan Bridge comes down, uh, the state was looking to donate sort of artifacts from that. And the museum was one of the the conversation parts of, of that, that there there's, might be an opportunity because it is a historic structure and it mm -hmm. does have regional significance of providing elements of that. So it could fit right in with the, Absolutely. the, the theme of where you're going. Yep. Um, I think it's part of the historic mitigation for that project that they, they need to create a connection point between the bridge, the community it serves, and the history of uh, the crossings at uh, Hilton Point and Bloody Point in Newington. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we'll look to get some, you know, artifacts from that and uh, display it for years to come, so people can still learn from it. That's great. That's great. What changes? As you, you just opened for the season recently, mm -hmm. what changes besides uh, Woody do you have in mind? What, what uh, if someone yeah, hasn't so been in a few years? What might they? Uh, look forward to. Fair. Um, so we have a couple new exhibits uh, going on right now is our uh, Dover Celebrations Room. Um, so that's in our foster gallery. That changes every year or so anyhow. Um, but that's focusing on past celebrations. So you have things like the 320th, 300th, 375th, the uh, bicentennial of the uh, country itself, the centennial of the city of Dover. So there's a whole slew of celebration artifacts that are in there. That's just one exhibit. There's several new smaller uh, displays throughout the museum itself. And then we just have, we have new events coming up as well. Um, so June has worked out to become an encampment month at the museum. Um, so again, working with the Dover 400, they have the uh, Piscataqua Company coming uh, at the end of the month. They'll be here uh, June 30th. Uh, through the 2nd of July to go into the parade after that. Weekends prior to that, we have the 1st New Hampshire uh, Regiment, which is a Rev War unit coming uh, the 17th and 18th. And even before that, we have the 1st New Hampshire Light Artillery, which uh, people living around 
uh, the Woodman Museum, I'm sure, are very familiar with because we're the ones that set off the cannon every uh, every Memorial Day, Veterans Day. Yeah. Um, so they'll be back with the cannon. So brace yourselves. The Memorial Day uh, event that you are instrumental in is, I think, one of the best events that we have here in the community that people really should know more about. It. it uh, I'd love to see the amount of people attend that as attend Apple Harvest Day. Yeah, honest, it's, no. it's a great event. I appreciate it. Uh, for those who don't know, so um, we do a Memorial Day event at Pine Hill Cemetery, right at the uh, the Civil War monument there, where we have uh, two veteran guest speakers, uh, typically myself, and then the mayor will give addresses, um, and then it's capped off with a presentation of colors, uh, wreath laying, and then a cannon salute by the first New Hampshire, and then the first New Hampshire will go down to the lower fields and give a couple firing demonstrations. Uh, for guests who are interested, it's an interesting event because, uh, especially last year, having to run it this uh, mm-hmm. this time, I'm in the first New Hampshire, so I was in my uh, Civil War uniform, running back and forth between giving the presentation, then firing the cannon, and then going back, and it was a fun one, and I love doing it. So, so it's I remember chatting with you a little after, and you are clearly both in your element, but also struggling to be in your element, and uh, I thought it was. It was great that you were in the uniform because I think it brings a level of, um, I don't know, authenticity is the right word, but it shows the commitment level and the importance of that type of event, that it it's related to something. It's not just a hallmark holiday. It's a, a true holiday meant to remind us of sacrifice and remind us of what we all take for granted at sometimes. Exactly. And so having the the uniforms present, having people who really live it speak to it is really, I think, a moving and important aspect of it. So if nothing else, thank you for doing that. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. So moving on, as we, we get into the summer, what are some of the events that uh, people might be drawn to at the museum uh, as we get mid-season? Yeah. June, you have all the encampments. July, um, we're focused on uh, the Dover 400 events. So we'll be uh, in the parade again. Woody will be there uh, uh, in the back of the uh, Model A pickup truck that was uh, in the holiday parade. Probably myself again in the uh, Civil War uniform. Our event is July 22nd, and that one I'm really excited for. We're uh, working with the Strand Theater to do the re-East uh, Coast premiere of the McConnell story. Wow. Um, so 1955, the McConnell story, which was essentially like Top Gun, but if it was made in the 50s, was about Captain Joe McConnell, and we're sitting in the McConnell Center right now. Starred Alan Ladd and June Allison. The premiere was right at the Strand, so we're looking to redo that again. There'll be a red carpet for guests to go down, get a f- professional photo taken for free. <laughs> Chaplain Maine is working on a special Joe McConnell event beer for the night. And then we'll have like a small mini exhibit in the lobby, and then you go in and watch the movie. Um, so that's July twenty second, and we're I'm really looking forward to that one. That that sounds spectacular. That'll be a lot of fun. And I think so. I think it'll be a uh, a real signature event for the four hundredth celebration. I hope so. Yeah. If I couldn't make it on the twenty second to the free day, and I want to attend uh, the museum, when is it open? What are the the hours and uh, what are the days that the uh, museum's open? Yeah, uh, we're open Wednesday through Sunday, uh, 10 to 5. We just ask that you're there by 3.30 at the latest for the last tour of the museum because uh, the tour itself will go about an hour and a half long of the 
other houses. People who have not been to the museum uh, assume it's just the one house, and then they are surprised to find out that it's actually a hour and a half long tour after that of three other houses. Yep. So, uh, so we ask you that you're there by three thirty. And if I want to be a member, is that an option? Oh yeah, we have uh, different membership levels, going from uh, student membership, individual membership, family membership, and then even corporate memberships that we are looking to work with different businesses to get uh, passes for their clients or employees. Nice. How are you seeing the demographics of who's coming through the door? What what sort of uh, customer do you do you find the museum has? Yeah, so we get people of all ages. I would say we mostly get, you know, like families, I guess. And then, uh, you know, older individuals that are bringing their grandkids or just coming by themselves. But that's kind of like the whole demographic of... New Hampshire, the seacoast is shifting towards that kind of, what is it, 25 to 35? Yeah, our average age here in Dover is 36. Yeah. And that is about seven to eight years younger than the average age for the state. Yep. So that's uh, that's pretty much what we're seeing right now, um, that there is that shift towards a younger demographic. And so we're trying to, uh, you know, adjust with it. I just realized we're probably... The poster children here, you you are matching our average age of the community, I, I and I'm, at, I'm the average age of the state. How, how dare we? <laughs> no, no, no. So the museum, it has both evolved, but also kept a lot of things from a heritage standpoint in play. You know, the, the, the polar bear is a good example, right? Mm-hmm. The polar bear is a mainstay of that exhibit. People want to see the polar bear, mm-hmm. but you're evolving it by creating the mascot version of it so that it stays fresh and it stays engaged with the public. How do you, in the the board of directors, think about things like that? How are you sort of um, looking at maybe it's another museum or their own experience of how to keep engagement levels up? So I personally kind of draw off my experience of having both worked at the Children's Museum and... uh, my, you know, uh, experience with public history in general between uh, my degree and uh, my hobbies as a Civil War reenactor. And so me personally, I like to bring the history to you and bring it to life. And so, you know, one of our, like you said, mainstays is the bear. That's one of the favorites for the kids is they love that bear. And so why don't I bring the bear to the community? And so if that's what everyone recognizes us as, when we're out at Apple Harvest Day, then the bear will be there. Maybe not the ten foot tall one, but the five foot nine one. Right. Gladly. <laughs> so you do have a board of directors. We do. Um, how many members are on that that board? Uh, ten. We have ten uh, board members. Uh, they're all very dedicated to the museum. Come from various backgrounds, various demographics, and uh, each one brings a different kind of uh, perspective to the museum. Do you find that it's been pretty static? Uh, meaning board members have joined and then stayed for the long haul? Do you have term limits? How how does that work? Yeah, um, so we do have um, term limits on the board of, I believe it's three years. But even if they leave the board, they still are very much involved with uh, the museum. Our uh, board secretary just termed out, and he's still very much involved. He comes in for uh, to do tours, manage the gift shop, help out with maintenance all the time. So just because he's not currently sitting on the board doesn't mean he's not engaged with the museum. So people that want to contribute, there are multiple ways they can contribute. And I don't just mean financially. I mean 
they can truly volunteer their time. They can get in, involved on, on a variety of levels. Exactly. So um, just outside the board, I mean, we have a huge dedicated group of volunteers. I believe we are at somewhere between 25 and 30 volunteers that give up their day, give up their week to come help us every, you know, every so often. And it's, uh, I mean, we wouldn't be able to run without them. Um, our staff is myself, Mike Day, our director of operations, and uh, Donna Bodwin, who is our uh, office administrator. And then after that, it's all volunteers. So uh, we rely heavily on them and really appreciate them. And for those that haven't interacted with Mike, he, he is somewhat of a miracle worker on pulling things together. And uh, I'm sure between the two of you, you have your hands full with, how do we fix this piece? Or how do we clean or or maintain these, these uh, elements that are sometimes 20 years old, sometimes 200 years old. Exactly. Volunteers are one thing. Mike is a whole another. We also would not be able to exist without Mike. If we need something, he he finds a way to get, get it done. Uh, our concerts, we needed a stage, and so he went and built a stage, and we ha- now have a, uh, a stage that we can take part, put together for all of our concerts, and uh, I mean, I couldn't do that, so... <laughs> Yeah, it takes a special kind of person to be able to envision the nuts and bolts, literally nuts and bolts, exactly that uh, have to go into something like that. And and he is one of those people that you can just see the gears turning in his head as he's looking at something, trying to figure out how to fix it. Yeah, he knows that museum backwards, front, side to side, every every nook and cranny. So I think last time you were on, uh, I asked you two questions. One was, "What's your favorite exhibit?" And then the second one was the the traditional question we ask here with people are our guests on the podcast of what are three things that you think make Dover stand out that Dover special. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sort of combine and twist those and say what are three things that people should uh, know about the museum that they maybe don't know about the museum. Let's see. So we are more than just the one house. Like I said, people come expect a thirty minute tour and then they're there four hours later. Yeah. There's so much to see there. We have things from military history to natural history to children's history, art, science, what have you. Um, I tell people on my tours, you know, if you don't like what I'm showing you right now, just give it five minutes. I'll find something for you. So that's one thing. We are not part of the city is another thing that I will say is that we are our own private nonprofit. And so we rely heavily on sponsorships, donations, grants, um, and volunteerism. And so that would be number two, really number one, <laughs> but number two. Um, and then the third thing is we've been here for 107 years. Uh, we want to be part of the community as much as possible with community events being the kind of cultural center, like you might have, uh, like you said earlier, for art, history, and science in the town. A lot of people don't even know that we're there or when we used to be called the Woodman Institute, thought we were a private school. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so we are now the Woodman Museum. And so, yeah, please do come over for a tour. We're there, and uh, we're we're ready to show you around. Well, I congratulate you on 107 years in the past, and uh, at the very least this year going forward, but hopefully another 107 going forward. And thank you for being part of the 400th celebration and for joining us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. With almost 400 years of history, Dover's got a lot to tell. Up next, Mike Gillis is going to walk us through what happened this week. This week in 1926, the city banded together for cleanup week 
during which city staff, businesses, and residents put their community pride on display. That community pride was already evident even before cleanup week began, with one of the local newspapers reporting that many residents had already been, quote, busy with rake, hoe, and broom, and have accumulated a considerable quantity of waste material for the health department teams to haul away. During cleanup week, the city's trash collection followed its usual schedule, but anticipating the surge in activity, the health department said some trash collection may be a day or too late. According to the newspaper, quote, calling up the health department will not facilitate collections in the least, so do not waste your time or energy as the trouble cannot be remedied. Similar cleanup efforts have occurred in Dover for many years, whether as a week-long effort, as it was in 1926, a special occasion, or an annual cleanup day. What was simply known as Cleanup Day in the late 1980s and early 1990s would eventually come to be known as Dover Pride Cleanup Day in 1999 and was organized by Dover Main Street. That event continues today. During Dover Pride Cleanup Day, volunteers fan across the city and, along with crews from Dover's Community Services Department, work to clean up the garrison city. This year's Dover Pride Cleanup Day will be held on Saturday, May 6th, beginning at 8 a.m. It's a great way to show your community pride and join hundreds of other volunteers. And Cleanup Day ends at noon with a pizza lunch, courtesy of Kendall Pond Pizza. Dover's Director of Community Services, John Storr, said the amount of work volunteers accomplish on that one day is nothing short of amazing. Storr said community services workers will be out with equipment, such as loaders and skid steers, to help move mulch and collect trash and debris. According to Dover Main Street, individuals, groups, or families could volunteer for just an hour or the entire morning. And there are numerous spots available, including Henry Law Park, the Community Trail, Joe Park's Riverwalk, the Skate Park, and the Library and McConnell Center public spaces. Work includes raking, weeding, edging, sweeping, mulching, and picking up litter. If you're eager to pitch in, visit Dover Main Street's website, at DoverMainStreet.org for more information. Thanks for listening to the Dover Download this week. If you like what you heard, subscribe through your favorite podcast aggregator. And if you have something you want to hear a topic on, let us know. Finally, this is just one of the many ways we share information about the city of Dover. You can subscribe to the Dover Download's email newsletter every week or other newsletters that we have by going to the City of Dover homepage, www.dover.nh.gov. Have a great week. Have a great week.